In a land far away, once upon a time, Brendan, Vicky B, partners in crime. We danced through life like, like a couple of gays. But as time went by, we went our separate ways. Now we're back together, talking about whatever, talking about the music that, that we, we love forever. Hooking you up like a telephone jack. Everybody listen up, we're getting back on track. Hi everyone, it's Brendan Ransom Walsh. And this is Miss Vicky B. And we are here again, back on track. We are back on track with our second episode. We're coming to you live from New York City. And um, I can't wait to get into today's topic. Yeah, super excited. This is a really fun track list to put together. Um, we are going to be all about gay anthems today. Um, it's all about pride and um, all of those, you know, different musical moments that uh, really speak for generations of um queer people and uh, and sort of the struggle and the and the success yeah the moments in our lives you know the, the tumultuous moments the dramatic moments the triumphant and celebratory moments that were bookmarked by these amazing songs that we heard you know in the club on the radio in the car or in our walkman that we listen to and really speak to our experiences lgbt people we want to share those with you vicky i want to know how many times you're going to say bookmark you know what? It's a crucial, it's a crucial, it's a crucial word. Totally. I mean, I don't know if there really is a better word, a verb. Sticky tab. Um, Post it. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> All right. You're going to start us off. You want me to again. throw down? Vicky, you want I want you to throw, throw down? down with your first gay anthem. I'm going to come out big right now. I'm going to go with um, Free by Ultramata. On my list. Yeah, so the, a, a couple facts. It's from the album Situation Critical from 1997. Which um, I feel like is something that you've probably said a million times. <laughs> Situation Critical. Well, the funny thing, Situation Critical, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like a shoe choice in the morning for daytime. Um, Situation Critical. I know, right? References abound. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> no, so yeah, so uh, the, the funny thing about this song is that I wasn't even out as gay in 1996 when this song came out. I didn't even realize the full potential or the full of your gayness of my, <laughs> right? I know. Ultranate, she wasn't speaking to me quite yet at that age. I was still getting my heels, oh as I like God. to say. But, um, but I really feel like it's become, this song has become my theme song. It really mm. has become my theme song. It says to me that you're, you know, just like the lyrics, you're free to do what you want to do. Um, it really is taking a, a look at life and, and saying you're in the driver's seat, you're in control of your destiny, and you can do whatever the heck you want. You can create who you are. And I think that's at the heart of everything that we, that we talk about here. You know? Absolutely. You know, I think it's worth noting this did hit number one on the dance club chart. Right. Um, it really was a big success and really probably, you know, one of her few true successes. I think she had, you know, aspirations of uh, capturing this moment that was happening in the 90s with with the dance club, uh, you know, remixing that was going on. Do you remember when she came back with the remix of the, of the remake of the Pointer Sisters song? Do I remember the Automatic? Pointer Sisters remix? I sure do. Brendan had an experience working with the Pointer oh Sisters. Oh my gosh. Wait, this is, they're not on the gay anthem list, but <laughs> I once at a different moment in time, in a different life, um, work on the cruise ship and there was a charter cruise with the Pointer Sisters. That's probably the and, gayest thing I've ever heard. Right. By the way. Mm -hmm. And I had the special task of, um, making sure they were, uh, appropriately ushered on the day of their performance from their staterooms. Situation <laughs> critical. Once again, situation, situation critical, critical to the stage, um, making sure all of their, you know, 
things were in order, their affairs. Um, it was a great day. My, anyway, my Pointer Sisters moment is that they almost hit me with their limousine at the <laughs> Eastern States Exposition as they were leaving after a concert at the Big E. Yeah, Miss Vicky almost got run down. Do you know if it was, were they all together? Was it Anita or Ruth? I don't know which one okay. they were, but they were, they were probably in the backseat laughing all the way because <laughs> I was oblivious and I dove out of the way as the limousine sped by. They probably didn't even realize it, honey. Oh my God. But it's God. all good. But anyway, okay, so free, free by Ultranate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was the, the song that I chose to close out my college education. Education with my senior piece was done to free by Alternate. And just to be clear, um, it, this was not a, um, a traditional thesis. <laughs> Vicky has a special degree <laughs> <laughs> in dance performance. Darling. I know. I think right? jazz dance performance. Jazz dance performance. Yeah. Well, you know what? And, and, and an appropriate song to, to, to close out a, a year, a, you know, a, a four year, a four year situation, <laughs> situation critical. <laughs> Anyway. Oh my gosh. Well, I have another fun anecdote about oh, free, yeah. which is that, um, a random, random, random night, um, at Albuquerque Pride in 2005. I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico and, um, a few friends. We went to a small club and, um, you know, we, we wanted to go out because it was pride, but we hadn't really taken the time to look at what was going on. It was mm-hmm. just like, it's Albuquerque. And it probably was like the one club to go to, or maybe there's a few. I don't know. But the point is we went, we get there and the postcards are on the table. Alternate's performing that night and I hit the floor. I, I was die. so excited. Do you know none of the friends I was with had a clue who she was? Are you kidding of course, me? No, nobody knew. Oh God, nobody had any culture. idea. I, exactly. It's culture. Tragedy. So then the best is it's a tiny room on the side of the, you know, it wasn't in the main area of the club. It was like in their performance area off to the side. And she must have been eight months pregnant. Wow. I mean, big. Yeah. And in a beautiful ultra, way. Ultra, 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 Nate. But a little Nate, little Natisha. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she, and, and her monitors were a hot mess. She was screaming at whatever the sound booth guy was, you know, about getting, you know, she couldn't hear herself for shit. Real um, but you know, was in it to win it and she delivered. She sang her heart out. Wow. I will never forget that moment. That's flawless. Alternate That's through gay. and through. She's gay as hell. Like, that and she's been gay. such an advocate and a mm-hmm. champion. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's also been her bread and butter, mm-hmm. but <laughs> work, <laughs> but you do what you got to do. She- also saw her recently at um in Central Park summer 2014 there was a um uh I don't even remember what it was called but it was a sort festival? of like disco clubby festival oh, moment yeah. I forget the name of it mm-hmm. um but there was a whole bunch of you know Kevin Aviance was there and amazing they jack each um, other's style left and right honey well exactly <laughs> wouldn't you know well kevin has the cane and everything um yes, yes. uh and, and ultra was in you know this is this is drag in the day mm-hmm. so i mean she was full spikes leather outfit you know full-on spike accoutrement it was yeah it was a lot well situation she critical did it. she situation gives you in- intimidation to all right mix. So what do you got? Anything else on three? No, let's go. I want to hear what you brought. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I think for me, sort of in a similar vein, actually, I want to talk about Finally Mm -hmm. by Cece Peniston. Finally was everything. Um, I I guess it must have come out, I think, in 91. Mm -hmm. um, But then, like, really had a moment in 92. Really well on the charts. Um, You know, it was really introduced to me and Priscilla, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember watching that movie um, in the mid-90s. And they do this number. And it just, it took me to a place. They created a full-on fantasy. I think you probably see five or six looks 
during yeah. the montage of this montage. song. Um, montage. Who doesn't love a montage? Well, I mean, then, this was the drag montage, really, to end all to drag. End all or to drag begin them, I really. Guess, well, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For us, film, for, me, for sure. I mean, it started my yeah. drag career. And you know what was great about that movie, too? It was really that Australian style of drag where it's not even so much, it's certainly playing with gender, but it's not even necessarily even evoking woman. It's just sort of. It's really campy. It's campy and it's over the lips, top. And, well, and, crazy and colors. Crazy costumes. I yeah, mean, they're costumes. not, it's not trying to look like, you know, uh, a Britney Spears. Not trying to look around like a spitter from it's, Jurassic Park. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Which is fun. Um, so, you know, and then thematically, it just, I think it speaks to all of the ways that um, LGBT, you know, community has like waited so long to find love. Yeah. That's, I think, how so many people connected to it for There's sure. There's such joy in that song. That's such one joy. of the things that I love about it. And we were talking about the different mixes of it. There, the, the, there was a really popular version that was on the radio called the Choice Mix, but I actually like the version, the original version that was the, uh, the extended mix of the original version, um, produced by Steve Silk Hurley, who I believe produced most of that album. Mm-hmm. For I her. think you're right. I love him. He's one of my favorite music producers from that area. A lot, lot of early 90s. 90s uh, hits got remixed by Steve Silver Hurley. Um, people I can think of right off the bat, it's like Janet Jackson with like You Want This or a Prince uh, for Get Off. They, they did Steve Silk Hurley remixes of, of that. Um, I, I love how he combines the, like an R&B sensibility with all with the, the, the style of house that was going on at the time. A lot of organs and things like that um, and really deep bass and things like that. Um, I love his production with her. She she had a lot of great singles from that album. That obviously is a standout one. And I love again a piano bridge. Right. The piano, oh like the gosh. Re- repetition Hearing piano of, yeah. on a song like that is just everything. Mm-hmm. That's why I was in love. I I can't. I'm st- Vicky Black Nasty is born and stuck in the early '90s because of the <laughs> the house that was going on there was That's so the truth. it was so organic. We were stepping away from the '80s and all of the synth and all of the you know and all of the excess and going back to like it was ba- a real '60s throwback and you saw it in the in the 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 styles that you know the the dressing styles the bell bottoms coming back in. This might and, be on extended play, but another one on my list is Groove is in the heart by delight go we I might mean, talk about it but we'll yeah. just, we can put it on the ep but well, keep yeah going. so continuing along on that thought i think music was start, like you know dance is going back to disco and like so we're di- house was this like new disco the original disco was all of the you know the the big symphonies and then the, the instruments and the disco divas singing over that and we're back to that you know, it has a it has a re a re uh, birth. You yeah. know, so absolutely. Yeah. And, and what's great is- about CC too is like Ultra, she's really embraced um, the, the gay community and her sort of position that the um, song really launched her as to being this advocate. And I think she really took that, and she's been doing prides for decades now. I mean, I have yet to see her, but that is like on my bucket list. Well, I, I think you can make that happen. <laughs> I think, I think, <laughs> I think we can do mission find CC. Let, let's write that down and Google her immediately okay. after this. You know, someone could do that while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone, producer Kyle. So speaking of, yes. Uh, tracks that went along with movies that we responded okay. really well to, I'd like to talk about, Hey, now girls just want to have fun. Um, from 12 Deadly Sins by Cindy Lauper. Yeah, that was a real interesting choice, I thought. 
Yeah, you think so? I don't know, yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's a situation where maybe the song itself isn't necessarily LGBT, but certainly Cindy Lauper, especially recently with her True Colors tour that she's no been question. on, all the work that she's done for AIDS with Mac Viva Glam, and... um and I mean, going back to this movie, I mean, the, the, the uh, Tu Wong Fu, I mean, like when mm. seeing Patrick Swayze and Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo. So body Beautiful. Three Body Beautiful by, <laughs> by, by, um, by Salt and Pepper. Uh-huh. Um, three such iconic masculine men for our culture and to see them get into drag and to play it honestly and to play it uh, like the the sensibility was that you were with them and you were on their side you weren't laughing at them you know what's so interesting though is that so many people really knock that film for being um really kind of like a stripped down version of priscilla kind of a wannabe and a little bit like of a watered down you know uh for the people who don't get us kind of like we're gonna make this palatable for Americans kind of film. I suppose so. All I can say is that at that time, at that point in time, um, you know, in the mid nineties, there, there was a limited amount of, of those type of, of visibility, first of all, of drag queens and LGBT community on TV, in the movies, in the media. And let's face it, Priscilla didn't have like huge box office success in the U.S. Well, right. I mean, yeah. exactly. So that, you know, whatever it was, it was exposure. And it was, and it reached me, and it spoke to me, you know. And I had a blast. And there wasn't, a, there wasn't a Chichi Rodriguez character in the Priscilla movie, you know what I mean? And right. I mean that you want to talk about Vicky Black Nasty and where she comes from, you know what I mean? Like tremendous amount of her comedy mm-hmm. and her and her beauty comes from John Leguizamo as Chichi Rodriguez. Sure. And this so this track appeared in that movie for the, the that movie which also included RuPaul and I was gonna say RuPaul and what was her name in the movie? Oh my God, um, Rachel Rachel Tension. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rachel yes. Tension. She comes down in the swing from the ceiling. <laughs> yes. In the Confederate the flag. Confederate Dress, flag glitter dress. dress. Yes. I mean, like, just such an Sequin. amazing moment. And all of the 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 in the it drag queens of that moment in New York City were assembled on that stage. Yeah. You know, you've got Coco Peru like oh crushing gosh. the cup. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all of those, all of the it Lady real Bunny. Moment. You know, yeah. It was a total oh. moment. And so this this song was part of the soundtrack. I have to say that I really like. I believe it was the Junior Vasquez, the club remix, not the Down Temple remix. Um, I, I just, you know, to put it out there in the universe, I used this remix when I heard that we could use, um, certain songs to audition for RuPaul as our music girls for, RuPaul. just, for RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, right, right. Um, we, I heard that we could use girls just want to have fun. And I immediately pulled out this Junior Vasquez remix. I thought it was rare enough and also fun enough and me enough to, to really say what I had to say and serve as a backdrop for my runway segment of my audition tape. Yeah. So I put that on there. And th- th- so yeah, there's just, it's got gay all over it. It's Absolutely. LGBT. I agree. Holla, holla. Holla, holla. Well, I mean, I think we should just skip right to RuPaul then because how can you not? You just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, in, in, uh, Tu Wong Fu, but I remember what, I mean, everyone, remembers supermodel of the world in that moment but really the song that i think is just such a great anthem is uh back to my roots that song was just Oh my God, it was everything. And I think it speaks so much to, you know, RuPaul's um, sort of gospel on drag and the way the world is. Um, but it's just, it's irreverent and it's fun. And there's 
um, there's heart and it's not being um, too smart or it's not trying to, it's just really um, a blast. And, you know, all of the references, different styles, um, you know, I really think it just, it speaks to this idea that identity is, you know, uh, an expression of how we choose to present ourselves and uh, we get to, we get to decide how to do that. It's yeah. our choice. And there's a lot of power that comes in being in the driver's seat um, of having some ownership over how you uh, are in the world. So I just, I think the song's just a treat and I love it. I have such visceral, visceral um, memories of like RuPaul and back to my roots. A number one, the shot the, so she explored so many um, images in that video, the, the, the different incarnations of herself with all of the different crazy hairdos mm-hmm. and the fake products that mm-hmm. she was selling was so making so many comments and, and, and deconstructing and being so hilarious of the way that she was picking apart the media and commercialization. But it really, the song is really just like a down home, like, like I, you know, like I'm, I want to have a good time. I'm, go, you know, I'm taking control, that type of stuff. And not only that, but I, what I want to take it back to last week, I had mentioned my friend Daphne, Daphne and I, back in high school, we, I, I believe we started what may have been the first high school drag show, at least a full blown one. Wow. Back, um, back in the year 2000 mm-hmm. together. All the way back. Yeah, all the way back. <laughs> and when, so we had this friend of ours who was our producer for it. His name was Michael Cusick and he used to be uh, a DJ for, uh, Lady Bunny, and he had all of these uh, vinyl, like all of this vinyl that he dusted off from his crates, and he gave us the uh, the the full like uh, vinyl. What what do they call them? EPs yeah. of of the singles mm-hmm. uh, for all the singles from Supermodel of the World, including mm-hmm. Supermodel, Back to My Roots, and A Shade Shady. And we took Shade those home Shady. and we listened to them like they were like. I mean, it was just like we. These were relics. These were these were. These were the tools for our religion yeah. that we were, that were in our hands. I put them on, on my parents' record player and listened to, and the, the, so the, the Merc Boys remixes of Back to My Roots mm-hmm. were so dirty and so <laughs> like bass heavy and, and sexy, you know, uh-huh. and with and the Merc Boys played a lot during, they're another large remix team back in the early nineties. Uh-huh. And they played a lot, like I said, with bass lines, with samples, repeating samples where it kind of got into like a hypnotic type of thing. And I just remember being completely hypnotized by those back to my roots remixes. Yeah. I mean, that whole period for Rue really set the stage for a lot of what, you know, drag became. And he's still doing it, obviously, with, you know, the show and everything. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, it, he's been such a champion. And um, I have tracks by him on my, on my throwdown as, as okay. well, on my list. All right, give it to I, me. One thing I wanted to say is I'm I'm sad that the, the whole supermodel of the world and even Foxy, That's what I was Foxy ask Lady you. isn't really part, isn't a, a large part of his mythology right now lately. Is that because of Time Warner? I don't know. I, some, you know, it's, it's difficult when artists originally get signed for, for, yeah. for contracts. Um, a lot of times they don't have the rights to the masters mm-hmm. that, you know, that I believe that they should. So that could be an underlying reason why we don't hear back to my roots right. played on. Cause on he RuPaul's might have to pay for it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, but I will say this is another RuPaul moment that I had go, waiting in line to meet him at. Oh, at, yes. This is the best story. Book signing oh for, for, um, for, uh, working it which is the sequel to his uh his debut book letting it all hang out which was my guide to drag that was my bible wait letting it all hang out we're gonna get to your story but going dialing it back this is a great story 
Letting It All Hang Out, which is something that everyone needs to read if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've only read the Guide to Style or whatever the newer one is, which is working like, it, yeah. working it, that's mm-hmm. it, working it, super fun. But Letting It All Hang Out, I think, is where it's at. Yeah. So I, it must have come out somewhere in the mid nineties. I forget. But the point is, I remember being in fifth grade. 10, 11 years old. And um, we had to do our book reports and we got to choose a book, but it had to be a biography. So I went right to the store and the first thing I see is RuPaul and I'll hang out. And that was my biography. And I had to read it, which I loved, obviously. Then I had to present the, <laughs> the my book report in front of the class. And I remember being 10 or 11 talking about tucking because she has a whole thing about tucking in the book. And I now look back on that being, what would my teachers possibly thinking of me? Oh my God. You were amazing. a freedom fighter in your first Who decade. Knew? I had start. Madonna on the locker, <laughs> nude with the cigarette, talking about tucking with RuPaul. It was amazing. Yeah. I was a, well, and uh, yeah. if anybody's seen the cover of this book, she's in this gigantic green dress with her yeah. mouth wide open. Right. With a and, tall blonde wig. Yeah, tall blonde yeah. wig. And it's hot pink. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> so anyway, cut okay. back to cut back to God. What was it like? Two thousand nine. And working I'm, it just came out. Working right? it just came out, okay. and I'm waiting in line with Sahara Davenport to get oh, my yeah. five copies of my book signed. Okay, so I finally get to RuPaul. Looks like Black John Waters standing in there, out of drag, but still arguably very much in oh, drag. He's in drag. It's just it's yeah, boy drag. He had his mustache and everything. Right. And um, so I took I I approached you know I approached the bench, <laughs> um. And I said, you know, honey, I have a small library for you. And he goes, well, honey, the library is open. And I said, well, girl, that's good because I'm a speed reader. And he had a little <laughs> chuckle. So he signed all of my copies of my book. And I, oh as I was God. sitting there chatting with him, I said, you know, I auditioned for your show. And he said, oh, I think I remember you. You had the asymmetrical shroom. And I said, honey, it is very contemporary, <laughs> which I pulled from the back to my roots. All of the, you know, the, the, right. the, the call and response, like right. nail sculptures, urban distinction. Right. right. You know, I think it's flat top fade, very contemporary. You're probably right. But I think the reference was still genius. That's okay, honey. I love moment. a good read. Give it to me. <laughs> so another rupert. Paul, that was my RuPaul story. And wait, and wait, how did he react when you said that? Oh, he laughed. And, yeah. you know, and it was so amazing. It was one of the most rewarding things to just be able to, to have made that connection with him. Of course. You know what I mean? I made him really get a good belly laugh, and that made me feel so great. I took yeah. my picture with him, and how I still have my signed copy to this day. And Vicky got me a signed copy as well. So I did, yeah. Very appreciative. Brendan Thank got you. a signed copy from that experience as well. So, so another one of my RuPaul moments that I have on, on this, um, on this throwdown is actually a song from his album, Red Hot from 2005. Which nobody called. talks about. Right. I know. And I feel like it's a gigantic travesty, but, um, I bought the album. I was waiting with bated breath for this album. Out of Hiding is the name of the track. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the name of the album is Red Hot. And I think yeah. it comes from his days. I don't know if it was in Atlanta or New York City. He used to poster the city with with signs that said RuPaul is red hot. I think it may be in Atlanta. But yeah, I, I think it was Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I mean, I just thought that was the most amazing and hilarious thing ever. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. And it's hilarious because on the cover of the album, the album is just flames. Like <laughs> it, she is in a black little Kim well, it's ringlet. The, it's, it's the Beyonce school of like, you know, 
inexpensive uh, production. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, totally, you know, wonderfully photoshopped. And on the right. inside, there's like a brand. It looks like a brand, like on the ass of a cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That says RuPaul Red Hot. Yeah. And it's on fire. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, this is the gayest thing I've ever seen. Right. And let me tell you, I have been, I've been reading her blog since 2000. Mm. Um, those old blogs are masterpieces. They're, well, they're amazing. And yeah. they actually were what, I believe what she used to create the, um, the, uh, working it book yeah. where I recognize as I was reading him, I'm like, I know this. I was, well, she really has a gospel. That's why I said that earlier. I mean, it really is, um, variations on the theme and, and she sort of massaged it to the point now where I think it's, it's pretty clear yeah. what she has to say about the world. Well, yeah. And what she was saying about the world, she had all of these amazing accounts of her interactions with celebrities mm-hmm. and, and, you know, going to get her first colonic and, you know, <laughs> running into Liza Minnelli on the street and I things had a like this. Moment once. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a different podcast, different podcast. honey. Okay. okay, but um, but I, I had been following. I'm like the stuff that she is, uh, the discoveries, the um, the introspection that she is doing on this blog. I'm like, honey, I am listening. I've got my satellite turned toward your message, and I am I'm pulling it and soaking it up. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So when we, I heard that she was working on this new album, Red Hot. I was like, oh my god, when, where? wind me up and point me in the direction because right. I need to have this. So right. it was while it, I, I think it dropped my junior year in college and I remember waiting for uh, on South Street in Philadelphia the the Virgin Mega Store uh to, was it Vir- no no it was Tower Records. Yeah, it was Tower. It was Near Tower Records. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, 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 this is on South Street. Oh, on South Street. I went I had to okay. go down to South Street. Sorry. Um Honey, I had to go down okay. South Street. Excuse it was the me. walk, but I, I I put on those heels <laughs> and I trudged it to the snow. Can we talk about how in Philly everything felt like a walk, and now like as a New Yorker, I mean, it's a it's a joke. Yeah, okay, I know, go. right? I, nobody from New York wants to even hear it. Right. Well, it's it's silly. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I waited for this album to drop, and mm-hmm. I got it. And I mean, it was my it was my it was my anthem. This song coming out of hiding with like the the triumphant bells and things yeah. like that. She's talking about you know I've been. I've been living in the shadow mm-hmm. in a dark and lonely place, and now I'm I'm coming out mm-hmm. into the light of day. Let nobody stand in my way. I mean, it yeah. was just it, it was a, another gayest thing I've ever heard. Absolutely, like of a, a moment of identification. Yeah, I think that um, the RuPaul catalog on the whole is something that everyone needs to take a look at. Holla holla, holla holla. Uh, uh, so maybe what we can we can add to our extended playlist mm-hmm. um, the sequel to It's Raining Men oh, yeah. with uh, RuPaul and Martha Wash. Oh, Martha Wash, one of the original members of uh, the Weather Girls, mm-hmm. formerly Two Tons of Fun, the, the backup group for <laughs> Sylvester, the yeah. famous 1970s yeah. drag, I mean, pioneer. Yeah. You know, this woman's voice. Sylvester, they had a whole Sylvester moment at that Central Park concert I was referring to a little earlier. Mm-hmm. There was a whole Sylvester tribute section. It was a lot of fun. Sorry. Living so. and breathing for him. He just, yeah. They just had a Sylvester Broadway, uh, off-Broadway show mm-hmm. yep, that I just saw in the subway. Mm-hmm. Little little ad for. I was like, you saw the show in the subway? <laughs> no, I was just saying, must <laughs> that would be appropriate for, <laughs> for the Sylvester tribute show. <laughs> uh, showtime, showtime. Showtime. You make me feel. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So what do you got? What are you going to throw um, down? Okay, I'm going to switch gears a little. Um, I have to talk about one of my all-time anthems. And really, almost every track they have is an anthem for me. But Chains of Love by Erasure. Synth pop duo, Andy Belvins Clark, um, 
you know, late 80s, Vince Clark of Depeche Mode fame and some other random acts. Um, and <laughs> not that Depeche Mode's a random act. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Anywho. Um, situation critical. Situation critical. Uh, erasure, though, in general, what was amazing is in a moment where, you know, in the midst of AIDS crisis, HIV AIDS crisis, and they're unapologetically um, infusing gay politics and at the same time achieving some mainstream success in this way that was just really awesome. And um, people talk a lot about A Little Respect, which is another one of my favorite songs, but Chains of Love was the one that just, for me, I remember so well. And um, I remember connecting to it. And it's all about breaking through. I mean, it's fairly literal, um, but breaking through society's conventional views on love and heteronormativity and all of that. Um, So, you know, it actually came out, I think, in 1988, which was about the year that my dad came out, at least when I remember him coming out. It was probably a long journey. Can you talk to us a little bit about your your family situation? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a barrel of laughs. It's a lot of fun. Um, I have my, you know, my brother here who's helping us produce right now. um, And he's queer. And then we have my dad who, you know, came out as gay and uh, when when we were very young. And then his sister um, came out as a lesbian after her husband passed away. Um, and then we've got some closet cases running around a few other places. And it's a, it's a real just gay explosion. Lots of family fun. Yeah, the recruitment yeah. committee has been doing its work. Apparently, toaster family. ovens for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you have to, I hope you get that reference. Um, <laughs> so your dad was playing tracks like this for yes. you. So, yeah, exactly. So when this came out, this was a really big deal as he was sort of going through his second, third adolescence, um, you know, coming into himself, coming out of hiding himself. Holla. Um, holla. Uh, you know, we, we heard a lot of, he was in the clubs a lot. So mm-hmm. he was actually, you know, despite the fact that he was, you know, about 40, he was pretty with it with what was happening in the, in the dance charts and whatnot because he was out and about. Mm-hmm. So I just remember hearing this song and it was, you know, it was such a confusing time for me, not because I was, you know, I actually very much understood, um, what where his sexuality was at but you know divorce i think for any kid is hard and i think you know when you're young and having your your mom and dad split up and going through any sort of big change like that it could even be you know moving across the country but any kind of big change when you're a kid just feels like a lot of readjusting and whatever so in lots of ways it was confusing but i remember songs like this and this song in particular Mm -hmm. felt so hopeful and alive and it just made me feel like uh there was something really beautiful about the world and i just remember it you know as a four-year-old um <laughs> erasure just being a something i could cling on to so uh it was great and um the other great thing about this song is uh you know i saw them live i want to say for the first time with my brother in san francisco at the smallest little club which was a real treat it was packed you're on the floor and it was great and i could not take my eyes off you know one of the classic things of the erasure is he always has these fantastic backup singers and yeah. it's very um sort of like girl group throwback motowny the way that they have a little bit of armography um and so there's just a great moment in the song where uh in the chorus where they have some great arm hand gesture moments going on (laughs) you know anything like that just gives me a chuckle so gestureography gestures gestures i loved it i you know i think it's interesting listening to to you tell your story about your experiences with music and and about how your father was going to the clubs and things like that at that age and it's and it's interesting when i think of the 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 throwdowns that you bring to the table when Mm -hmm. you when you do your thing Uh there's a lot of there's a lot of joy and a lot of like like late 80s like celebration yeah in in what your identity is and it's interesting my parents met at a disco 
And my parents are met in the 70s. Mm. And I think a lot of what I was given as a kid had a lot to do with a lot of disco influence and also mm-hmm. a lot of R&B, a lot of black influence mm-hmm. coming uh, like into my ears and into my realness growing up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a, and, and it's interesting that like you're giving me erasure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, do you have any moments with the erasure? I don't, but I do have reactions to this song. Okay. Actually, the first time that I heard this song, it was when you had given me your, your playlist, the stuff that you were working with. And I, I think that it's, I've heard this voice before. It is such a, it's such an iconic eighties voice. Mm-hmm. And I remembered it from when we were in college together. Okay. I was in a, I was in a piece that was choreographed by, uh, uh, Brian Sanders uh, okay. of Junk. Uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah. In Philadelphia. Okay. A really great, uh, innovative, choreographer yeah. and the company junk is like but what they're doing is it's bonkers are they still producing work i'm not sure okay i'm not sure but brian sanders is someone to google his work i remember yeah same for me i mean in college he was doing groundbreaking check him out work. and anyway so the the year that i had a chance to have the honor of being in one of his pieces he chose to to make a statement about the matthew shepherd uh, the, the beating of Matthew Shepard, which mm-hmm. I believe happened in, in 1998. It was such a pivotal moment in LGBT history. And we created a dance about it. And in the dance, I personified Matthew Shepard mm-hmm. and one, uh, it was two erasure music where there was like, Jimmer, which tracks it was? Oh man, it was your pain is never drama. Drama. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, that's one of the, the uh-huh. that's definitely the track that I rem- remember. And, um, in this, uh, in rehearsals for this, there, there's a, fight sequence where they actually recreated there we had a a a scaffolding yeah everything and i had to (laughs) because every every dance piece in college had had scaffolding scaffolding, (laughs) right paula abdul was ripping off fossey Fossey. it's the scaffolding Uh meme in in the dance Mm -hmm. dance culture so that's for the dancer fans out there anyway um the the dancer that we were working with the fight choreography and he he was supposed to give me this fake uppercut except it turned into a real uppercut and it split my bottom lip wide open there was blood everywhere and of course i'm going i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) as i'm like being as erasure is playing like uh, like booming like in the dance of course you're apologizing after being punched in the face what is that about i don't know that's some deep-seated stuff there's some drama there there. the drama holla anyway so that's my erasure experience but obviously it's it's undeniable if this man is is using this track to to overscore this important dance piece. Yeah. It has got to. It is an influential. You know, just uh, as a quick thing as well. You know, uh, love it or hate it. HBO has that new show. Look, well, it's not new now, but that show, Looking, yeah, about about um, you know, gay men in San Francisco. And there's a glorious moment. It's just divine. Um, where there it ends one of the episodes, I think, but they all go out to the club and um, and I think a little respect is playing, and they're just they're, it's so liberating and freeing. And there's something about that sound that does f- capture this moment again when you're sort of you know the free love era was over. We were in the middle of this real plague and crisis in the queer community, especially for gay men um, or bisexual men, and uh, and so they just they it, it's this moment of finding ways to rejoice and ways to find friends and ways to love in the midst of a lot of fear and and heartbreak and sadness so yeah that's what they really speak to for me listen I, you know I, i've also heard a lot of criticism for that show but i happen to really like the show and i think similarly to the whole tu wong fu situation it's like you know 
their their stories and they're out there. They're involving us, and and th- th- that show is about the lives of these guys. And another moment, like a similar poignant music moment, they did an outro with Sylvester. That was mm, the first yes. time that I had heard that song. Um, I'm looking for somebody to love. The mm-hmm. really like sort of like moody down tempo. Mm-hmm. And I heard that track on the show, and I'm like, what is this? And I I I searched for it, yeah. and I found it on iTunes, and it opened up a gigantic vein. Yeah, I feel like that's the that's sort of like what we're trying to do with this show with Back on Track. Yeah, we're trying to open those veins and like tell you about our experiences with this music and and open people up to to hitting their own. It really is how I I mean, these playlists are in my are really my life. I mean, I feel like they track right along. So what do you got for me next? Throw down. Listen, um, okay. here's here's an interesting one, because when you think about LGBT and you think about uh, gay anthems, you don't always necessarily jump to hip hop or R and B. But I want to mention Janet Jackson. Absolutely, I want to mention Janet Jackson's contribution to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. The, the track that I selected is "It's Together Again" from the mm-hmm. album "The Velvet Rope." life-changing and probably her best work i really feel yeah Yeah. i really a lot of people try to put the peak at like rhythm nation or Mm -hmm. janet i really feel like the velvet rope with what she was doing talk about opening up a vein i mean she like ripped her heart out yeah well i heard i mean i've I've seen on interviews um when she's talking to oprah and things like that where there were times in the recording booth where she couldn't even get through the song without crying right you know what I mean? So I yeah. just think it's so brave with these. I, I think that's also what resonates with us with the, you know, that we talk about LGBT anthems. And I think it's really important though, also in this, just in then to continue with Janet, but just in that way, it's not about, it's not that we're celebrating it because she cried or celebrate, celebrating it because there was struggle involved. And so there's something to rally. It's not about that. It's right. It's about, honesty. it's about bravery, yeah. really. And it's your about, and, and it's about facing your truth and then moving towards the light, moving forward. I yeah. mean, that's what I think is we're relating to. Yeah. But well, and this is a really celebratory song. First of all, um, you know, it, it's it, it evokes disco again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a lot of she she went from uh, 1993's Janet, which was very ethereal mm-hmm. and, and used a lot of hip hop samples. Mm-hmm. And we moved toward this place of like this sort of 70s funk. Um, her, her producers Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were, were were doing stuff with Janet that they were doing with like the SOS band mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, and she went from going to, from doing this sort of like romantic sensual love to dealing with the the darker side of things. Yeah. And this track is an uh, it's an uplifting song. It's really celebratory and dancey, but it's about her friends that have passed away due to AIDS. Yeah. The threat of AIDS is something that I feel like us as a generation we grew up acutely aware of that and i thought it was a real big risk for her to sort of to take that and to put it into song form Mm -hmm. i love i love reading about and hearing about that they were inspired by the track runaway by um and eureka soul which is a remix of the it's a remake of the the 70s song and um i love that it's a celebration of life. It's a celebration about folks that she's di- that that have died of AIDS, but at mm-hmm. the same time, it's a celebration for everybody. Yeah, you know what I mean. Absolutely. And I mean, I I completely agree. The bravery she had to talk about it, and then also once again, um, you know, the the video and the visuals that went with it, um, were 
really beautiful because I think one of the other things is it speaks to a gay experience, but it also speaks, I think, probably a lot to um, the heritage and, and ethnicity, um, you know, of of being an African-American and what's mm-hmm. happening in the African-American community and in Africa mm-hmm. um, separately. Although, Where the video looked like it, you know. Exactly. Exactly. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think it's speaking to all of those levels. Yeah. There's so many moments in that Velvet Rope album that really were nods to the LGBT community. For example, the um, the, the the song Free Zone, which yes. is about, you know, prejudice and bigotry and things like yeah. that. This, the remake of Tonight's the Night by Rod Stewart. Well, which, did she ever come out and talk about her bisexuality or not really? I don't think so. Okay. I don't even know if it was if it was her saying that she was bisexual or just her acknowledging that there you can still sing a song like this or, or acknowledge that type of love. Right. You know what I, I mean? mean, I think I remember, and maybe it's not true, maybe it was just other things, but I remember at the time, it wasn't like scandalous that she wasn't changing pronouns or anything. I think it was more like, I think that, I don't know, I have this memory of her sort of hinting at this sort of, you know, the kinds of spectrum of, that sexuality is or the sort of like non-black and white-ness yeah. of it all. Well, there definitely was a feeling of exploration on this yeah. album that was such a departure from, you know, from the warm soul that we had experienced from right. her previously. AOL was big. You know what I mean? People were starting to go online and interact <laughs> well, electronically. I know AOL was big. AOL. I know, as you laugh. Listen, I still have an AOL. I know. Email address, well, don't that tell everyone what there. it is. I know. But, you know, uh, we're just starting to begin to communicate with each other electronically, which is also a, a technology is a gigantic way for LGBT people to get in touch with each other nowadays, especially with the, you know, the perils of being out and proud in certain areas where it might not be so safe. Around the world. Yeah. Yeah. So she's talking about technology. You know what I mean? But, but also, there's something else that I wanted to mention about this track is another, she's another person who likes to flip things up uh, in terms of remixes or fully experiencing the full artistic vision of the song in a live Mm -hmm. performance. Mm -hmm. And I want to note there's a remix that she did by DJ Premier. It's called DJ Premier 150 Remix. Okay. It is from... Look it the, up. I think it's from the European Maxi single because I know that it wasn't available on the American Maxi single. Um, but she performed it live on the American Music Awards. And if you remember, it they, they, her and her dancers started out at the top of this pyramid staircase. And it's like an R&B remix of this song. She's come out. Like I said, she was experimenting. She's got all of her piercings. She's got that wild head of red hair that she came out with that was so bold and crazy from the soft ethereal Janet that we had seen previously. Yeah. And she's wearing like this latex bodysuit with a triangle cut out for, you, you know, over her cleavage and these, um, these baggy cargo pants. So here she is. She's doing a, a like a hip hop, not widely heard remix of her new hit single, largely covered up, but in black latex with a gigantic mop of red hair doing this hip hop routine. And it's a total LGBT or like AIDS, like gay moment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's, and it's full out like R and B, you know, like shout out to like urban radio. And I just, I love that. Like there's a spot for that on this list. How do we get her back? I know. Right. I mean, her, right. There's rumors about maybe a Vegas thing going on. Um, it was really sad when that last tour was going around and it was like $10 for a ticket. Remember that? I don't know much about that tour, but, but yeah, I don't know. I remember know. getting little email promos for it. I mean, it was really yeah, kind of sad. I think that the, the, 
I mean, we, we touch on, on this really a little bit, it, the whole Super Bowl fiasco and everything that went down. Oh my God. We could, that, that's a whole podcast. Yeah, here. absolutely. Yeah. But I think that, I, I think that that really probably put a bad taste in her mouth. I don't, I don't know. I can't yeah. speculate. Yeah. But, and, and everything that's happened with her family recent, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be rushing back to the spotlight after these sure. sorts of things. So, absolutely. but, she, but at, at the end of the day, we have to pay her gigantic respect mm-hmm. for the, the throne that she occupies in our pantheon of drag demigoddesses. 100%. Yeah. Um, what do you got for me, baby? Well, I'm going to um, keep on with the androgyny theme a little, um, but I want to talk about Constant Craving by Katie Lang. Katie Lang. Written by Katie Lang with, I think, a fellow named Ben Mink um, on her album Ingenue, which is just a brilliant title for someone who's playing with gender, right? Yeah. And, you know, someone who sort of, you know, like Erasure is um, being a little bit more forward about her sexuality and gender um, expression um, in a time where it was still fairly taboo. Um, and I just really, well, what's really interesting too is that, um, everyone thinks of constant craving, at least I do, as sort of her first foray into the world, but she'd already won a Grammy for a country album prior to that moment even happening, which I don't know, you're aware of that, I suppose, but I was not. So I just admired how much she really shifted gears and, you know, expressed herself through this androgyny and, and, and really went through the, the gauntlet of, you know, mainstream entertainment media really had the spotlight. Um, but, you know, was able to still maintain her own, uh, sense of self. And, um, of course the content is, um, really about this sadness and loneliness and, and the difficulty of longing. And she sings that in a way that I don't think anyone else can. The voice is just out of control. As I'm talking right now, talking to you right now, I can't stop thinking about the cover on Vanity Fair with Cindy Crawford, which was felt groundbreaking. Huge. There's a lot of images of her where I am so attracted to her. I've seen her on TV recently and it's like, oh my God, if there was a lesbian that I would let do me, (laughs) I mean, it'd be Catherine Don Lang. Holla, holla. And you know, the funny thing is, this, she wasn't even on my radar when I heard this song, when I started hearing the song on the radio, because it really broke mainstream radio. Yeah. I mean, it was a big smash and it was so funny, but it just, the way, the way that where we were at with dealing with discussing people's sexuality at that time, she was a gigantic lesbian at the time, but, and it just completely, I completely missed it. You know what I mean? I will say you missed it. I missed it. Yeah, okay. I just thought that she was like a, a woman with with short hair and uh, <laughs> who liked to wear men's garments. All right, and, you know, like Madonna liked to do that type of stuff too. So I, right, just, I, you but know, like with her titties hanging out. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she did it in in a, like a, a less feminine way. Right, but I mean, like, but I will say what I uh, Katie Lang her album drag. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. With all of the, the, the smoking metaphors and oh, all yeah. of those remakes and things like that. And you want to talk about playing with gender and you want to talk about, you know, um, challenging, you know, norms and, and thing and, and just also being a, she's an LGBT like torch holder, but at the same time, she's singing us like country and folk music and all of these, these cabaret, genres, cabaret, yeah. all, the, all of the, all of these genres that are so, A number one, they're so American mm-hmm. and B number two, they feel so owned by like not necessarily, you know, we, we got the club down. 
You right. know what I mean? We have the remixes in the club down constantly. Mm-hmm. But to, to have like a, a woman who's giving us folk and who's giving us country, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I just think that she's the hottest thing ever. And real talent. I mean, I think the other great thing about that song in particular, although her whole career, but that song because of the way it broke um, mm-hmm. into, you know, broke on radio and broke into success. I don't think that it was a song that necessarily people would count on as doing that. I mean, I think that if you were just to hear that song, you know, in an office or something, you wouldn't, it's not like the sure bet that's going to hit, you know, the charts the way it did. And I, and I think that that um, really speaks to the way you can't always be so calculating. Some things are just really true and really honest and it was track authentic. Seven. Yeah. Um, it yeah. No, exactly. But it was such a real moment. I think that you hear that. And that's mm. why I think people jumped on it. You yeah. know? Well, that's the truth. And I always say like the truth resonates. Yeah. You know, you can focus group until you're blue in the face. You right. can work with the hottest producer. You can, you know, you can get the, the you, you can get Diane Warren to write you a smash hit. But at the end of the day, if there isn't a truth in it, then it's not going to resonate. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I think at the, also at the end of the day, it's true what you say about like nobody knows that special sort of, a special specific type of longing like the LGBT knows. Like we're in, we're in environments where it's not safe to love who you love. Right. Or when, when you have to view so much pleasure and so much of like the, the fruit of what you want to enjoy from such a distance. Right. Do you know what I mean? There is a special... And with a lot of judgment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. In your own baggage and things yeah. like that. And there's a... So that song touches on a special mm-hmm. type of, of pain, a special type mm-hmm. of craving. And mm-hmm. I think that we all understand that when we listen to it. That's totally so thrilled that it's here on yeah. back on track. Perfect. What's next? Um, okay, I want to talk about I Wish I Didn't Miss You by Angie Stone. That is a it, deep cut. Yeah, it's a deep cut. <laughs> it's a deep cut. And listen, I have to start by saying it doesn't always have to necessarily, for me, when I was selecting my songs for this list, it didn't always necessarily have to have a full out, like bold LGBT, like this is a gay song statement. This is a song that I used to freak out to in the clubs with my friends when I first started going out to Divas Nightclub in Northampton, Massachusetts. Shout out to Divas. Shout um, out. The, the remix that I like to talk about specifically with this track is the Hex Hector, uh, the Hex Hector and Mac Quayle Club Mix. Mm-hmm. Um, this track is originally from her album Mahogany Soul. And it samples, the original version of this song samples Backstabbers by the OJs. It is the, the beginning of this song, the instrumentation at the beginning of this song. It's like a classic 70s soulful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just it, it's epic. It's mm-hmm. absolutely epic. And she took the best part of this song and turned it into a He Done Me Wrong anthem. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it could be an African-American experience. It could be a woman's experience. But at the end of the day, on the dance floor at two o'clock in the morning in the club with my friend, with my friend who was a ballroom dancer, uh-huh. we were freaking out to this right. stuff. You know, the, the, the club remix is pounding and I'm a, I'm upset. I've got rage. I've got joy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm exhausted and sweating yeah. my brains out so I can't eat I can't sleep anymore you know what I mean <laughs> uh, this was that song for me yeah um, I think that there is a pain and a struggle in everyone who has come to terms with their sexuality and songs like this really tap into that and and help facilitate the catharsis mm-hmm. of dancing through you know absolutely like and I think that you know dance is such a part of um, 
gay culture, especially because for so long, it was the only safe space Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, gay people to congregate um, without, you know, fear. So, you know, it's this nice um, mashup of all of those things where, you know, there's this rich heritage and history of, you know, coming together in these places, married to, you know, uh, hearing this music where you can sort of rejoice in a triumph or you can share in a struggle or you can connect with people. Absolutely. Yeah. Another track like this that I want to talk about that I feel like is worthy for this list Mm -hmm. is No More Drama by Mary J. Blige. Mary J. I am about to lose my mind. I am about to lose my mind. I am about to lose my mind. Lord, help me, help me. another situation where it doesn't necessarily have a full out bold LGBT message but the Thunderpuss Club Anthem remix is I think is a promo only version of the song the, okay yeah. and y'all know the one of you if you were in the clubs in like like uh-huh. 2001 2002 it started off really clubby and then in yep. the middle it broke down to hip hop yeah. and then at the end of which it which always up threw him off right always threw him off I know right and the you know the twinks and the thing like <laughs> I you know I had my my arch nemesis in the club uh-huh. always who just lived and breathed for that techno and honey yeah. when the hip hop came on I was the king. I was right. like Britney Spears with my team of, of like, you know, ragtag dancers behind me. Yeah. And, and, and this No More Drama mix is like the sneak attack. Absolutely. Because <laughs> yep. it, it, it snuck up on you. you and, know? Then, and then you leave to go get a drink and it's right back. And then it explodes, yeah, it explodes in your face. And then you're upset you're missing out. Yeah. Yeah. So in your I, face. I saw an amazing, amazing performance of this song. at It's a club. I don't think it's open anymore. It was called Chrome. And it was right on the water in Philadelphia. Um, and they used to have a gay night. And what I used to love about that club is you could go upstairs for your house music and your techno. But downstairs, they used to have a DJ that would play this old school R&B and hip hop stuff. They used to play the old Mary J. Blige. And I would go down there and lose my mind because I love dancing to hip hop music. Yeah. I like the bass, the bottom of it. I like uh, that it's mid-tempo and that you don't have to be freaking out or on some sort of hallucinogen in order to be able to enjoy it. Right. You know? Well, anyway, upstairs... I was having an experience. I was dancing with my friends and all of a sudden the lights went out and the lights came on on stage and these two drag queens came out and it was the No More Drama remix and they came out wearing these. They do like the full 10 minutes? I don't... Back in the day, yeah. Maybe, they yeah. Unapologetically give you a nine minute Deborah Cox remix <laughs> and walk around with a bucket for the whole damn nine minutes. Unapologetic No, bitch. I know, I know. I could not... <laughs> hashtag unapologetic That bitch. was the last podcast, darling. Anyway... <laughs> They were wearing these full out like black funeral garbs with like the uh-huh. church lady hats and the veils and things like that. And they were losing their minds to this song. And I'll never forget it. And I was like, holy crap, that's what this song is about. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in the video, she's watching the, the monitors of the devastation from 9-11 and anthrax and like, you know, crazy war and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's a song about like a woman deciding that she has had enough of of the struggle of like, I'm not going to take crap anymore. I'm right. sick and tired of it. Yeah. And, and I think that this is another a situation where we've all been through it. Mm-hmm. The LGBT community, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Nobody Absolutely. knows going through it. Like we do. And we hear this and you're like, that's it. I've had it. It You, you throw your hands up in the air and you just join her. Absolutely. That, you know? Well, so there was, you know, I, I, I know that in the past there's been some issues with Mary J and, and the gay community, but I don't really know where it stands right now. Have you been following that more? Well, or? I think I know what you're alluding to. Sure. I think I know one of the things that you're yeah. alluding to. George Michael had a, a greatest hits compilation called Ladies and Gentlemen that came out in 
1998. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did a remake of a Stevie Wonder song called As, um, where Mary J. Blige was a guest vocalist on it. The yeah. two of them du- duetted. And the track made it onto the worldwide wide release, at least the European version. I'm not so sure about the American version. Right. I, well, no, definitely not the yeah, American no. version. Because rumor has it that her people didn't want her to be associated with such an... He had just gone through the whole, you know, public right. toilet, you know, yeah. you show me mine, I'll show you yours. Thing, right. Which people it freaked out about and tried to make it freaked such a out. larger scandal than it actually was. Yeah. And forced him to constantly instead of talking about his amazing catalog and his wonderful music that he was making his amazing force, gift his for, voice yeah, yeah i mean he is such a treasure and then to force him to constantly have to replay the stupid events which are like inconsequential and like totally like benign events that led yeah. to this happening the only reason why it blew up is because he's a celebrity completely because you know? let's face it whether it's you know whether it's you know some bathroom situation or whether it's some other you know maybe not your favorite piece of news to Eric, everybody's cousin or neighbor or whomever has gotten into some mess. And mm-hmm. when it happens to somebody in public, we all freak out. But we've all had to excuse it in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. In different ways and I, places, I, I think. I, listen, as far as that goes, I think he was treated really un- unfairly. Yeah. And it, the, the whole, it's a typical situation that Madonna knows a lot about of like the, the persona and the news story overshadowing the, the, the real beauty and the real truth, which is the music, the amazing contributions that he has made to the world music and uh, and on speaking on behalf of the lgbt community whether he was an out member or not well this is what i was about to say i mean this is a good moment that i think transitioned for a second into george michael pause though to say that i do think that mary J has been um vocally very supportive i think of the lgbt community in recent years although i can't quote her yeah i'm um, not sure but, but that's I'm my impression I'm sure she's fabulous um we like her anyway regardless, whatever yeah. um but george michael i think what's really interesting too about that moment with the bathroom <laughs> is that um he didn't shy away from it i love that he made fun of it later and i think what really yeah. spoke to is that sure it took him a little while to come out but he was also in the public eye at a very young age so that's really difficult um but what, he, what i love is that so often in um you know uh, in pop culture and in how we've sort of more embraced um, queerness, mm-hmm. um, you know, we've ex- we've sort of put away the, the actual sex behind it. Yeah. And the reality is that w- what he got sort of, you know, in trouble for is um, really, you know, acting what he was saying was happening, I mm-hmm. think. And like, I, I, you know, that's, that's honest and that's real. And, and I, and I, and I just really applaud him for not, he really didn't hide from it or he didn't apologize for it. Um, and, I really, I applaud that. So I want, oh, do you want to he say was, something? Well, he was honest and he, and he rejected the stigma of fear and shame that exactly. so many of us deal with. And that's with. really what coming out is, should be about. Yeah. So I want to talk about Freedom 90. Oh, yeah. Freedom. 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 George Michael, I think, is so often associated with tragedy, um, like what we were just talking about. But um, he really has, um, well, he's an important figure. He has this talent. And then he also um, fights for his voice. And I think that, you know, I remember he did, um, he's not performed in America nearly enough. Mm-hmm. And especially as of late, I think the last time was just the 25 tour. And it had been a long time prior to that. I had tickets at Madison Square Garden. I think I was the sickest I have ever been. Um, it wasn't with anything crazy, but I just 
was fevery and worn down, but I hauled myself into a cab, mm-hmm. got myself to the garden and sat there, unfortunately not dancing my face off, but just sitting there. I was next to these two ladies who kept trying to tell me to stand up. They thought I wasn't enjoying it. I had to say, you know, honey, I'm sick, but I'm yeah. here. <laughs> this is the a best I can do. Being on life yeah, support. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love Freedom 90 because, you know, it, it's certainly about all aspects of his life. It's about sort of, you know, stepping away from the image that mainstream media had sort of uh, created. For I hate that I just said mainstream media, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the machine. The machine, exactly. You know, he wanted to like distance himself from Wham, but it was also certainly um, a lot about his identity as a gay man, um, just as much as it was about his musical aesthetics or anything else. And, um, you know, it's really, I think, an outsider's anthem. Mm-hmm. And that song was just everything. I also think that the treatment of the video and what he was doing at the time, I, I, it was a rebellion against Sony Records, which he was in right. a gigantic fight with at the time. Yeah. Um, which luckily he was able to work out. But it, 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 um, he was kind of throwing a tantrum and not including himself visually in the music videos right. from that point on. But that also had the effect of sort of we're listening to the music now. Yeah. We're watching, you know, Christy Turlington or we're watching Cindy Crawford. And yeah. this, but for a number one, that video is smoking. It is slamming. Yeah. Okay. Um, but we're watching these models, but we're actually, we're listening to what he's saying mm-hmm. and the iconic imagery of him lighting the, um, the jukebox on fire and that, and that leather jacket, uh-huh. you know, on fire, uh-huh. you know, the guitar exploding. Uh-huh. You know, you didn't need his face. Nope. You know, this is like a rejection. Like, yeah. I am, I'm through. But that's what I mean, was so great. I mean, it was the real totality. It was comprehensive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I think that his his output is so it's so classy and so stylized. The choice that he makes, like when he yeah. did too funky, you know, which I mean, like everybody's was doing Mugler, like about like like two or three years ago, like with Beyonce, yeah. you know, on the I Am World Tour and things like that. People were living and breathing for Mugler, but like he was doing Mugler like in the nineties. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was. Uh, those costumes that went down the runway in that video have been iconic and he wasn't even in the video, but I want to talk more about George Michael and, and and like my experience with George Michael Um, of significant note for me is the album older absolutely that he came out with in, in 1995, which is supposed to be, it was written as his gigantic comeback. He was a huge star in the United States. Yeah. You know what I mean? But he released this album, which in, in comparison to his last one, his last one was really poppy, had all these really accessible, you know, radio friendly tracks. This had, this one was dark and moody. Introspective. And introspective. I mean, yeah. had jazz elements and, you know, um, there's even one song called Move On where it's got the live background mm-hmm. tra- like track of like, glasses clinking and things like that even um, to talk about what it's like to to age to be older to yes. acknowledge that people age yes. in like in hollywood isn't it funny that that's so provocative yeah, but absolutely. yeah it was it, huge it, well, he, he, yeah. he makes all these choices which are and nobody treason. wants to hear it nobody wants nobody to hear wants it there's such it. treason because there's such truths yeah do you know what i mean they're they're there's what makes them the album so meaty and so palpable but at the same time what again a situation where american radio and american mainstream media like (laughs) thinks that we can't handle introspection or intelligence in track listing or whatever and so the album winds up being gigantic in europe having his most number ones it's like his biggest selling album Mm -hmm. but over here it like went over like with a big gigantic thud yeah i can remember the gigantic marketing campaign and they paid for money to have those duratrans those large you know um 
uh, what are they called? The luminescent boxes with like the transparent, you know, pictures uh-huh. of them. Sure, on, sure, sure. You know, in in a media play and yeah. Sam Goody. Remember when we had music <laughs> stores? Do you remember oh that? Oh my god! I used to love going into the uh, import section and yes. finding out what I what I was not being let in on from around the world. Right. And I'll tell you, I have so many maxi singles. You always went straight bucks. to the import section. Yeah. That's what you had to do when you went to those. That's where stores. all the good stuff was. Yeah. Anyway, I sat there and listened to George Michael's older album from 1995 in my bathtub is there a track we need to add from that album god i mean like is there an anthem for you there isn't maybe there's not i I, maybe we can think on it it, on the ep EP. but i listened to that album in my bathtub and through listening to the stories that he told in that album i figured out that he was gay i figured out that and he hadn't publicly come out at that right. time. And like I was telling you about Katie Lang, that went over my head. I just yeah. wasn't in that space at that but time. But he wasn't like publicly denying it. I think that anybody, right. like he right. was, it was like an open nod. He was speaking yeah. about it he like an adult. About it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I figured out that he was gay. I figured out that he had a lover who, who he was in love with, mm-hmm. who he died, who died. You know what I mean? I figured out that he that there were struggles with you know with identity and with coming out and yeah. struggles with. I figured all of this stuff out. I was just sitting there listening. I was like, my God, this album is jam packed and it is speaking directly to me right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're uh, we're getting close on time, but I want to do one more if we can. Um, yeah. And that last one I think we have to talk about is um, "I've Never Been to Me" yes. by Charlene. I've been undressed by kings And I've seen some things That a woman ain't supposed to see I've been to paradise But I've never been to me Know, right well i feel like it talk we're going to talk about a few things about this but you know uh some through lines from our earlier conversation you know it's uh featured as the opening of the movie priscilla mm-hmm. and it's such an iconic opening i actually rewatched it recently and realized how much of my visual aesthetic is um really sourced from that movie <laughs> i mean sometimes shot for shot it was a little <laughs> bit like whoa <laughs> um but i i just that that clearly has imprinted on my mind you wore the um, flip-flop dress the other day i mean <laughs> right 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 <laughs> of course um but you know i my first um exposure to the song was uh you know in elementary school and i just loved how you know it was like self-reflective and somber but also a little bit hopeful and it's sort of the way they performed it it's you know campy but also with um some deeper layers and it really to me is what a kind of a drag a classic drag ballad is all about and um you know what's really funny too is that i was thinking when you were talking about the no more drama uh, drag performance with the bucket and that is so much of what like the club drag culture is and i don't blame them like you know those ladies are doing you know, the Lord's work and <laughs> they don't get paid nearly enough. But I really hate it because for me, I want to see the performance. performance. I love I, it. It's not a transaction. Right. Right. It's an expression. Exactly. And I, and, and I, so one of the things I've loved about, um, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race has done those Battle of the Seasons tours with Michelle Visage hosting and they bring a bunch of queens on the road. And what's so great is that you pay a ticket. Imagine, yeah. but you pay a ticket price mm-hmm. and you go in and you get to see, you know, 10 queens do a number or two and mm-hmm. have a good time. And I, it takes all of the weird transactional stress out of it and you get to just enjoy. And I, and I love that, you know, it, this movie wasn't speaking to that, but the I've never been to me open moment really just gives you this classic drag. 
Yeah. I've got a lot. I've got so much to say about that topic yeah. that you just raised right there. And the, the, the idea of the bucket and the idea of the transaction, the tipping and this yeah. and the other. Um, I think it, it's tough. I've always struggled with that as a drag performer myself and all the numbers that I've tried to do. I really like to incorporate the choreography. I really like to try to a la Madonna, you know what I mean? Really give people the, the full experience of a performance. And it makes it really difficult. You want to acknowledge people that are trying to hand you money and things like that. But at the same yeah. time, I also want to get through what it is that I have to say. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And I do, whether I'm lip syncing the song or just dancing to it, I, I have something to say with, with this thing and I, and I want to be able to get through it. And I think it's, I, I'd rather you sit there and enjoy and be entertained by what it is that I'm giving you than, than feel like I've got to get money for, I feel like it, it it's really rough. And yeah, it's yeah. a really weird area. And, and I do enjoy it when you pay, you sit down or yeah. you stand or whatever, but right. like you're, you're an audience member and you're there to see a show. And I'm very, I'm very much about that element of drag. Not so much the sort of tips. And sort of like, right. you know, but th that all goes back to our, you know, our society's respect for performers, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, and where we place them in our, you know, in, in levels of importance. Yeah. But about the, about this track, yeah. I mean, oh my God, when you, when you mentioned this to me, I had yeah. so many memories come flooding back to me. I almost cried walking through the subway when I was really listening to the song for the first time. Um, just because it, it it is so campy and there's yeah. so much name dropping. Well, and, and the spoken bridge, the spoken oh bridge at the end. God. Oh my god! It, Which wasn't in the movie. It's hilarious, but it's great, right? I know, but you know, you can definitely draw meaning from the acknowledgement that you can you can spend a life preoccupied by these e external validations and material successes and find yourself later on in your life like wondering what the heck the truth about all of this was. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like, what is it that's going to make me feel authentically happy? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that sentimentality, like really, like when I really hear it and listen to it, it can, it can bring me to tears. Absolutely. Um, and, I, yeah. go ahead. No, you go. Um, I remember my dance teacher, David Bovat, mm -hmm. when I, he was the, the, the man who really reared me as a, as a dance dancer, as a technical dancer. He put this song as a solo on one of my, um, the girls that I used to dance with and you know it was in the recital and everything and I remember thinking oh this is a funny little song and it's once again around that sort of mid-90s era where I it was going over my head and I didn't understand I didn't right. you know I didn't know what it was about and and it's interesting now looking back I wonder what it must have been like for him to to have set movement to those words and right. to this music you know what I mean well I think it probably resonated on a deep level even if you weren't like listening consciously because I think the whole thing is about you know really um, about daring to or wishing to dare for someone else, but to, to live a bit of an unexpected life, to like not follow convention, to not just like do the travels and the, um, you know, the traveling and the money making and sort of the things everyone tells you you need to do, but to, but to find yourself yeah. and to make that the priority. Discovering what really makes you yeah. happy. Well, that's a beautiful note to end well, on. Well, just for a laugh, <laughs> there's a really hilarious male version of the song by <laughs> Howard Keel from Dallas that is worth a YouTube. That's your um, assignment. Yeah, that's your, that's your homework. <laughs> um, this has been a Rob Vic. Yeah. Loved it. I love it, girl. I'm We're going to have some on the EP. We'll add in um, some Pet Shop Boys we didn't get to and maybe um, little Indigo Girls a different flavor. Um, and we'll do that on the EP with some of the other ones we mentioned. And, um, and we'll come back uh, with a new one. Join us next week, babies. All right. Thank you.
If you like our show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are hot. And if you really like our show, we'd love a rating and a review. You can find us on Twitter at Back on Track Show, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and all of your favorite ways of time. <laughs> we love to hear from you. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify and check out all of our mix a playlists. And if you're outraged that your favorite track didn't make the list, visit us at www.backontrackshow.com and let us have it. You know, we'll tell you what we think, honey. All right, we're done. Peace.